oh my Put me in coach, I'm ready to play fantasy I know I turned two in a day, but the laces ain't hot in my veins I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today And smash play, I'm prepared to listen The x flipping whip got me looking way past the pitches Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first He can say I'm ready to go <laughs> I ain't trying to steal second or third Cause I wanna win first How am I to put all of these numbers to words I know the terms from A to Z It's like a gift and a curse I know the difference between a splitter and a curve But if I can't put it in the points Man, then what's it worth? I need the truth I need knowledge Found this podcast with all of it But what they call it? Turn two Turn two, what it do? Hey everybody, welcome back to the Turn Two Podcast, and it is a special day. It is a very special day, everybody. It is opening day, and I am excited beyond all reason. I couldn't even sleep. If anyone actually, uh, you follow the Roto Fanatic handle, you'll see that I put out an article, 30 questions about opening day. I wrote that at 4 a.m. I couldn't wait. I couldn't, I couldn't sleep. I woke up at 4 a.m., thought of the idea, wrote it this morning at 4 a.m. <laughs> so that's how we are. I'm your host, Matt Williams. Joining me on the show is uh, Mr. Roto Clegg, Chris Clegg. What's up, Chris? Hey, Matt. How are you doing, man? Happy opening day, everybody. I am so pumped. Baseball is back. And hey, Mr. Jeff Zimmerman is here. Are you pumped? Are you are you excited, Jeff? I am. I am a little bit tired that after our extended draft uh, earlier this week, I've had drafts every other night, and I have one tonight also. So I'm actually kind of ready for draft season to be over. I know it's a great time, but it's like maybe I'll get some sleep. At least I'll be drafting till midnight or beyond. We've been in draft season since like – February, <laughs> essentially, like it's, it's basically one long draft. And uh, for anyone who didn't follow along, we actually had a Roto Fanatic staff draft on um, Monday, and we thought it was just going to be like a twelve-team NFBC league. It turned out it was like ended up being like a draft and hold. So it was like 50, 50 <laughs> rounds, and we started at nine thirty. We didn't, we didn't, it didn't even occur to us until we we're like halfway through, and like, oh my god, why is there so such a deep bench? So. Yeah, I think me and Jeff ended up like, you know, putting it on auto draft and filling a queue because we had other things we had to do. Um, so opening day, there's only two games, sadly. Um, I don't know why they did. They should, there, there I don't know what the deal is with the schedule. There should be a game every day at freaking 11 a.m., 1 p.m., 3 p.m. There should be games all day. I know that there is a TV revenue, but man, alternate. You don't have to have them all, but like there should be, you know, if there was a game on during the day, especially now when a lot of people are working from home, you don't think people would watch that. They should be having games. They should be a game on right now. Uh, but, um, you know, either way, tonight we got the Yankees uh, playing the Nationals in theory. Uh, if weather plays along, Garrett Cole versus Max Scherzer, which is great. And then, of course, follow that up with a fantastic San Francisco Giant. Um, so, uh yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is as far as today's schedule. It's only two games, but uh, yeah, we're going to get into some news and notes. Uh, starting with one thing, which we haven't had any news yet. They have to have this done by first you know, pitch, which is you know, coming up here in several hours. Uh, they're talking about still trying to get expanded playoffs. How do you guys feel about that? You know, They want to go from uh, six teams uh, in each league to um, – no, yeah, so from 16 no, – what, what are they going to – what are they trying to go to? 10 to 16. Is it 10 to 16? That's what they're trying to go to 10 to 16. So um, yeah, I mean, I'm all, I'm all for it, especially in the short season. Um, you know, there's everyone will be pretty much in it. <laughs> even the pirates, <laughs> or even the, you know, even the tigers, maybe even the Orioles will be in it for like a little bit. Um, so Jeff, I mean, I don't know. What, what are you thinking of the expanded playoffs as far as, um, as far as just everything in general, like, do you think that has any fantasy implications where, teams will be in it longer. Therefore there's less of a chance. Maybe of people like opting out. Um, there'll probably be some changes one way or the other, where it was like, if some teams out of it, like the trade de deadline might be a little bit different. We might maybe see some demand where a lot of teams might need one closer or so to make this playoffs. And so one team might get a little bit more in return, but, and maybe some teams will keep, will kind of try and not, I want to say like the Mariners, like, Oh, we're just going to bring up every, not like good rookie, but just bring everyone up, see who they've got and move that way. But in all fairness, it's like, this is such an MLB move. It's like, well, we don't even know where the Blue Jays are playing. And here are like five days before the season starts, we're going to think about expanding the playoffs. Like, <laughs> like if, 
if there was like anyone had seen how they've operated over like the last six months, you'd be like, that you don't even want these people like watching your children right now. It's so bad. It's, like, it's like, what? like, like, and it what? just pops up out of the blue. Like, Hey, by the way, we're just going to have extended playoffs. Like, why did they just do this to begin with? Like who wouldn't have wanted it? It's more money for everybody. And that's like, it's every, it's just like, whoever's there is like, like they just get an idea, like pops in their head, a little light bulb goes off and then they run around and try to do it. And it's like, Oh wait, we have to get Toronto to play somewhere. Wait, wait, what? And it's like, like, <laughs> Like the games are starting tomorrow. Like they don't know where their home to field is. And you know, it, it, it looks like they may have actually found a solution for that. I, I, I like am afraid to like actually say it, but we'll talk about that next. But before we move on to the Toronto Blue Jays possible solution, um, Chris, what do you think about the expanded playoffs? I mean, I mean, I wish they just do this in general. The, the thing I hate most about the playoffs is the one game playoff, the if wild card game. Get rid of that crap. I hate it. It's baseball. You know, it should be played in a series. If if a, if a player is sick, it should not determine your entire season. Like. One game. Get rid of that crap. Yeah, I'm completely here for it, man. This is a crazy year. Like, Mm -hmm. it would be awesome to see expanded playoffs and make it much more fun, I think. And like you mentioned, it's more money for everybody. But why did they wait so long to pop this idea up? I know they had discussed it back, like, way back when, but why now? Like, we're going down the wire and we're trying to make this decision. It's just pretty wild, man. But I'm here for it. I think it'd be great. I, I am excited about it for it, for regular baseball off for obvious reasons for fantasy. I do think that there's certain players that um, may have like checked out towards the end of the season. There could have been people that opted out if they had the option to opt out. If your team's out of it, why would you bother risk being out there that every team will be in it for much longer. People will be trying for much longer. It'll just be more, overall more entertaining. Uh, but as something Jeff was saying about why would you handle this? You know, the blue Jays are homeless. I think I hope I'm not less, you know, misleading. From what I read, it looks like the Orioles are going to allow uh, the Blue Jays to share Camden Yards with them. But I believe currently all that is is the team's permission and not the actual state of Maryland's permission. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah, or Baltimore or whoever. I mean, whatever. <laughs> Which is what we ran into in PNC, right? <laughs> Pittsburgh Pirates are fine with it. Pennsylvania wasn't fine with it. Couldn't they, in theory, just play like and be the home team even at the road stadium? Like, well, that's the, that's the worst case scenario that yeah. is guaranteed. They already said they're actually going to play their first away series in uh, in Balt or in Washington, right? They're playing the right. Nationals for four games. They're going to do two as home, two as away. So that's what they're going to do to start out. But they're trying to work out a deal with with the Orioles. So everyone was talking about park factors and how in the end going from Toronto to PNC didn't matter much. It took a little bit of power away from right-handed hitters. Not that Vladimir Guerrero will get to him in a little bit necessarily cares about park factors. If you lead the league in exit velocity, who cares? Um, but then they would have had to play some of their home games like a Yankee stadium. And it would have taken away um, certain advantages for pitchers going to PNC, but obviously going to Camden Yards, that is going to help everybody on the pitching or on the on the hitting side. That will be great. Uh, but you know, drafts are over. There's nothing you can really do. So yeah, it's all exciting news, but there's nothing really actionable there. Um, knowing if they did go full time or whatever, as many games as they're going to be to Camden Yards, Jeff, is there anything you would do with that information? Um, is there anyone that is there any kind of actual transactional move there that uh, you would take from that news? I haven't dug too much into it. The one thing I would look at is for like weak hitting fly ball guys. There's maybe Travis Shaw's that guy where he just gets a few more over the fence. I know um, up in Toronto, it's kind of, you know, you can get a little bit more home runs, but Canem Yards is like a high school field. I mean, there is literally high school fields that have bigger fences around me than what they play at. So it's no, it's going to be, have some high scoring and um, it kind of like where we had, PNC, I mean, when people have looked at it, I would almost consider it kind of just a wash or maybe a little bit worse, but um, it really just makes me not want to own some of the Toronto pitchers. It is scary with them having to go into that yard. And then we'll also play against – the East is kind of weird that if you look at it, a lot of teams have some good lineups, but the pitching is like non-existent. Um, it's just really rough out there. So I think that that's one thing that you will just get a lot of – kind of want to own some hitters from the East – and especially now that they yeah, got two teams playing in Baltimore. Chris, what are you thinking here? Because, I mean, uh, he was saying uh, – Jeff was saying about like maybe guys that uh, hit a lot of fly balls. Uh, someone who sticks out to me is Kevin Biggio, someone with middling exit velocity who could really kind of turn – because he's a line drive machine. He led 
like sweet spot percentage. Like I, I think I said before, barrel percentage is not actually when you hit the ball in the barrel. That is pretty much launch angle and exit velocity. Uh, sweet spot percentage, if you look at on um, Savant, actually shows you how many balls you hit on the barrel. And he led the majors. Um, a, a change to a place like Camden Yards could really help him. But anyone who drafted him kind of was high on him. There's, I don't think he's anyone who fell in drafts. So I don't know that you can necessarily even acquire anyone like that at a discount. So I, I'm excited, but I'm not sure there's much I could do about it. <laughs> yeah, at this point, there's not a whole lot. I mean, most drafts are done. I know people probably have some drafts tonight, but Biggio is definitely one that stands out. And like you mentioned, if you were drafting him, you were probably all in on him already. But his value probably does get a nice boost in Camden. Um, Reuse probably one that loses some value. I know the Blue Jays don't have a lot of intriguing starting pitchers. I mean, Nate Pearson's likely to be up next week. Um, probably hurts him a little bit um, moving if they do move to Camden. But overall, the hitters I get they get a boost for sure. I mean, Grichuk. I mean, he's going he hits bombs. I mean, he's not a great great average source but he hits a lot of home runs and so he could see a boost for sure um to oscar hernandez potentially a couple guys that i was just looking at the the roster of who could see a boost with the with the fly balls and the home runs in that park um how about vladimir guerrero jr there was this video out last night of this home run he hit in fenway literally out of fenway i should say he literally hit the ball out of fenway park um there was people that he was like this kind of weird uh, subject in the off season of people calling him a bust it's because everyone predict of uh, projections actually had him winning the batting title last year. They actually projected him to win the batting title, which is ridiculous for a, uh, for a rookie, but also odd for a projection system since they're by nature, typically pretty, you know, uh, you know, pretty, uh, what am I looking for? Conservative. Um, but yeah, Vlad led, like I, I mentioned earlier in the show, he led the majors in exit velocity of qualified hitters, non-qualified hitters. Giancarlo Stanton eked him out. Uh, but upon seeing this and knowing he's going to Camden Yards, I mean, someone's wool would have to be, you know, theoretically he's going to Camden Yards. Uh, but the way he's been like killing the ball, is there any renewed interest? Because he's someone, unlike Biggio, where he kind of did fall in drafts. No one really seemed to be to totally excited about grabbing him. So if someone maybe is not totally paying attention and then there's an opportunity to buy Vlad, are either of you guys interested in doing that? Or does this news really not change much for you? Starting with you, Jeff. Um, it doesn't change much for me. I'm not – the problem, like once I dug into Vlad's numbers, is it's kind of like he has two issues. One, it's the ground ball rate. So everyone state that stated that Yelich has overcome it. It's something that he could and start putting the ball in the air. But right now it's 50% of the balls. I mean, he is like the poor worms in the ground are just getting exploded with those 100, you know, 20 mile an hour fastballs coming right at him. there, hitting the grass. So I mean, I remember his dad hitting those balls off the grass out of the park though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but that's what they are. I remember we were, I went and saw the futures game. And I have never seen like a harder double because it just was like a line drive straight into the wall. And it just was like, geez, dude. I mean, so he can hit the ball hard. It's just a low launch angle. But if you look at last year, he could not hit breaking balls. And they just – that's where um, in the majors they just – he's not seeing fastballs at all. And he's kind of swinging through those breaking balls. So that's one thing he's got to do this year is – I wonder if just like through the minors, people couldn't throw him for strikes or, you know, didn't get him to chase good breaking balls. And now that he's seeing them, people are just going to feed him until he changes. So he kind of needs to raise his launch angle and deal with any pitch that breaks. And I just, it's like the, those two check marks against him kind of um, worry me. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. The one thing people forget is most prospects fail. I say that. And then people, analytic people tend to understand what I mean. And then the prospect people really get on me. Prospects don't fail. And then they, you know, they, like they say, like, if you're an average major leaguer, that's not failing. I'm, when I say most prospects fail, I talk as a fantasy standpoint and most do when they come up either entirely in their career, or at least they fail to meet expectations upon being promoted. Hard, no one's hardly anyone's Juan Soto. You know, I mean, he's a once almost once in a lifetime talent people like, um, you know, Vlad obviously has his issues, but like then you got a guy like Carter Keboom who's been guaranteed that th you know the third base job pretty much for the Nationals. Chris, what do you make of him? Because he's someone who came up again, big prospect, um, struggled mightily like prospects do in a very small sample size, and all of a sudden he has this 
whole um, guaranteed job in a really good lineup, and no one seems to care. I mean, he's my prediction for NL Rookie of the Year just because I know the guaranteed of bats are there for him. It just seems like an easy call because some other guys are just not going to be available this year. Uh, but anyway, like, uh, you know, we moved from Vlad to Carter Keboom. Like, uh, how do you feel about rookies like that? Cause there's, there's some interesting people going at the end of drafts and they either get overhyped like Luis Robert or completely forgotten like Carter Keboom. Like if Robert came up last year and struggled for two weeks, where would he, he'd probably be buried too. Yeah. I like Keboom a lot. Um, he's always kind of struggled when he initially moves up to, new level and so he struggled in his 21 or he played I don't know, 43 plate appearances last year in the majors and he struggled pretty bad he only hit 128 uh two home runs there wasn't a he didn't do a lot and I think it turned off a lot of people and so he's falling crazy low but the upside's there I mean he's been a top prospect for some time he's got a good hit tool a lot of raw power and you, he's guaranteed the job like you you mentioned and so the playing time is going to be there. And I think that he should be able to overcome these struggles that he's gone through. Like I said, initially he always struggles upon promotion. And so he's got his, he got his feet wet a little bit last year and hopefully this year he's, he just takes off and, and gets going because he does have that a pretty high ceiling and a lot to like. Um, I'm not going to say that he will help produce Vlad, but he's, he could in a shortened season, anything could happen. I mean, he's got the great hit tool. I mean, hits for a high average throughout the minors. Got some power. He definitely doesn't have the power of, of Vlad. But overall, there is a lot to like there. And at the draft price, I'll definitely take that value over where, where Vlad's being drafted. It, it's uh it's weird psychology behind some of the rookies, too, because you got a guy like you have a guy like Carter Keboom who um, in, you know, 2019 in AAA, he hit over 300, um, with an over 400 on base, almost 500 slugging in AAA. He had 16 home runs, uh, five stolen bases, about 80, 80 in terms of runs and RBIs. And again, he comes up in a very limited sample size, <laughs> uh, under 40, like around 40 at bats, uh, hits a couple of home runs, only hits 128. No one's interested at all. Joe Adele, on the other hand, who obviously was a higher regarded prospect, he doesn't necessarily have a place to play. But when they made that trade, um, you know, when, when, before they kind of uh, when the, when the Angels were kind of talking about like giving him an opportunity, he was really much much higher in ADP at least earlier in the offseason. And but the only thing we know about him is he has a lot of scouts who love him, and he had a thirty percent strikeout rate in AAA in a very limited amount of time there. So. Why is it people are so on board? Like if Adele was given the job tomorrow, people would be crazy all over it and still wouldn't care about Keyboom. So Jeff, like, why do you think that is? Obviously there's a difference in pedigree, but like just the general, like you see a guy struggle in AAA with a 30% strikeout rate. Um, whereas a guy who did well in AAA and then struggled in the majors, it's just weird. Like, how do you, like, you, you know, we, we like to deal with analytics, but how do you, um, do you, do you try to use psychology of other owners as a tool, as your own weapon sometimes? Because it's weird how how people treat players differently for no reason. Um, yeah, it's – I mean, it, this definitely happens like the failed prospect and then they come back later. I think one thing with Keyboom, and it, I remember when he came up last year, is his profile is – I would say boring. Like people aren't after batting average usually. So that that's kind of the problem. Like in a full season, I mean – and kind of at his peak production, he's like 20 home runs, 10 steals, and, a, you know, even a 300 average. 300 would, would be enough to, like, make people. But even if it's, like, 280, if that's what is what you project him as, I don't know if a lot of people would get excited over that, if that's, like, his upside, which it's a good player, but none, none of those players really get love compared to, like, Adele, where it's like, oh, he could come up and hit 30 to 40 home runs. Now people are interested, even though he'll kill you and everything else. I think have, people seem to like to latch onto like that one stat that's like a, a difference maker in just that instead of people that are more balanced. Yeah, I guess call me boring. I, I like opportunity and proven proven uh, and proven uh, production. But uh, uh, one uh, one other rookie that's going to get an opportunity it was a little bit of a surprise yesterday. Leody Tavares on the Rangers. I, I did not see this coming. I didn't think he would be making the team. Uh, the Rangers announced that he'll be on the squad again. Who knows? They have that weird thing where 
you can have a person on second to uh, start extra innings. I don't know if people are just going to try to have a speedster on the team because he puts you at an advantage. Uh, but you know, he in uh, in last year in single A again, he's never played a triple A in high A, batted 294, two home runs, 21 stolen bases. Uh, and then he moved up to double A, 265, stole another 11 bases, three home runs. So, um, he's an interesting guy. Is is he someone that uh, you'd be interested in adding? Because I don't see a role here. Obviously, Willie Calhoun came back. Uh, they have Frazier moved over to first. They have uh, Isaiah and maybe Solak at third. Solak will be moving around now that Calhoun's in the outfield. We don't know where he's at. So do you see a, a role for Tavares, uh, Chris? Um, like, uh, I don't know. I, just, I mean, he's on the team for a reason, but I don't see where he plays. Yeah, I'm not totally sure where he fits in. I mean, they've with especially with Calhoun coming back, they're they're pretty full out in the outfield. Like you said, maybe it's a speed thing for pinch running situations. I mean, he's a nice prospect. Like there's a lot to like, probably like for a dynasty league. But for this year, I'm just not seeing a spot for him. Like we know he's an elite fielder, he's got great speed. The hit tools improved throughout his time in the minors and I just don't see this fit right now. It'll be interesting to see how they use him. I think. I don't. What do you think, Jeff? I mean, it, speed is such at a as such a premium that you know that's why guys like Malik Smith get drafted really high in Roto. What do you think the role is here? Because I don't. I don't. It seems silly just to carry a guy, um, you know, for for that reason, you know, for the extra innings or anything. Uh, so, but he's so young that you know they're not bringing him up here to sit. I wouldn't think. Um, from what I read, his yeah, his defense is elite, and there was some comment during the preseason that like he's the best center fielder in the organization. So I kind of wonder if he may be like a late game replacement mm-hmm. in the outfield to move stuff around and have the speed. He's just kind of like that bench guy that a lot of teams may even bring into like the playoffs. You know, it's like you got some speed, got some defense. We'll bring him in, just finish off the game with them. So I think that that's what he's in there for, and I think he'll be cut down whenever they go to twenty eight. Reminds Wait. me when they, uh, uh, the Braves brought up Andrew Jones for his rookie year. He was like, I don't know, 18, 19 years old. Uh, and they just kind of had him in there for speed and, uh, and defense on their World Series squad. Uh, he's not at that level, obviously. But it's just – I guess it's weird in this 60-game season. I'm not used to teams doing this. But he was a definitely an interesting name to stand out. I didn't expect to see. Um, other news here. We have uh, Austin Riley and someone that – his role was uncertain, um, especially when Yasiel Puig was temporarily on the team. He may have been bumped, uh, but obviously Puig uh, COVID, he's off the Braves. And now Austin Riley hits these two monster home runs yesterday. Uh, Yohan Camargo looked like he was going to have the everyday third base job. Um, he's a little dinged up now, but they announced Austin Riley will be getting the start at third base. Uh, is this, I mean, he, he came up like kind of in fuego, and then really, really fizzled out after being kind of sequenced and pitchers just kind of got used to him. But we already talked about rookies. You know, the, the, this stuff happens. So as a Braves fan, Chris, um, Austin Riley, is this is this someone you're excited about on your team? Um, because he, he definitely just seems all the data that I've kind of looked at, he, he seems incredibly flawed. And I do not see him in only 60 games kind of being able to, uh, you know, wow us in any kind of way that won't hurt your fantasy team. Yeah, I think that's the concern. And a lot of people are out on him just because of the flaws. And when he started out so hot last year, it was just, man, everybody was going berserk in fantasy leagues about him. And then he slumped really hard. Like, we all remember that. But he's worked hard. Like, he's he's worked hard this offseason to really try to fix those holes in his swing. I still think there, there's still some concern to be had. But – the potential is definitely there. Like when I talk to people like the, the Braves obviously still believe in him or they would have sold him a couple years ago when he was at peak prospect value. And so they believe that he can be a superstar and they think that he can be that future third baseman. I do think he probably splits time with Camargo when he gets back. And it looks like Matt Adams probably has the DH role locked up. He's they signed him earlier this week and he's looked good in the exhibition games. And so the hope is probably that Riley just starts the season hot while Camargo is dinged up and then just runs with the job moving forward. But I do think there is a lot to like, especially in like a, a Roto type league, the, the power is legit and I, he's worked on the, the contact skills. I still think he's going to struggle a bit. He's still young, but I do think there's a lot of potential there to like. 
like um jeff who would you rather have like in, you know in a in a in a vacuum here uh, austin riley or a guy like franchi cordero now we can get into in a second hunter dozier is uh covid so i don't know if they made that move maybe they knew i don't know if they knew that already and they tried to bring in another bat but you know who would you who would you rather have between you know those two types oh i don't like either one um i will go <laughs> yeah franchi i'll go with the yeah i'll go with franchi um I think it's a full-time playing. My problem, there's just a few problems with Riley that I can't get over. He's almost like on the short side of the platoon bat right now. He was, um, his o- OPS against lefties, he just crushed him with almost 1,000 last year, and it was under 700 against righties. I mean, it was a short sample, but they definitely get to him. So that's kind of one worry. And just this whole profile, you actually brought up Matt Adams. He's like on the short side of the platoon of like Matt Adams. He's just like all power and really nothing else. So it's like Matt Adams, but worse is what you end up with Austin Riley. So like I said, I just, I don't know what is, again, he's like too many things that he has to overcome. His defense is suspect. He can't hit from one side. He's very one dimensional. It's just all power, no batting average, no speed for us. He's probably going to be at the bottom of the lineup. It's I'd rather take the I re- truthfully, I'll take rather take the chance on Matt Carpenter turning it around, and I can just dump him instead of being frustrated with Riley. Ouch! <laughs> and all you need to know about Riley is like he has his thirteen. Again, this is a small sample size, really, but thirteen point seven percent barrel percentage is great. His, you know, his exit velocity is great. His, uh, you know, sweet spot percentage, all that is really good. Um, average WOBA is like around. I don't know, like what do you want? League average is like three twenty, three thirty around there. Is is X WOBA was three oh four. Um, WOBACon league average is around 370-ish. His ex-Wobicon was 457. So, I mean, that tells you all you need to know. When he hits the ball, he hits it really freaking hard, but he doesn't hit the ball very often. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, you know, kind of where lies the problem. And if you have an extreme platoon split, that can obviously make things look a little worse. Um, and there's, you know, there's not that many lefties out there. So, um, you know, unless you're facing the Red Sox <laughs> who are wheeling off three really mediocre lefties. Uh, so, you know, yeah, yeah, kind of a no thanks for me there. Uh, Hunter Dozier, we we just mentioned a little bit ago, uh, COVID. He is now, uh, you know, I don't gone for who knows how long. There's no way of telling. Uh, it kind of saves. I don't know who it saves. Michael Franco. I don't know what they planned on doing uh, there with the lineup after bringing Franchi over. I didn't know if they plan on starting him every day. Um, but the uh, the Royals in general <laughs> is uh, the whole first and third base situation. Do you guys have any shares in that? Because it's kind of like I know some people were interested in Franco in a change of scenery type thing. Um, I wasn't just because, you know, going from if you weren't getting it done in Philly, I don't care what kind of adjustments you make. You get on to Kansas City. I'm not particularly jacked about it. Uh, but uh, the Kansas City offense in general, um, do either of you have anything interesting to say about that, starting with you, Jeff? I mean, not to put anyone on the spot because there's not much to say here. Um, I think an owner is going to own Franco just when attrition starts hitting. Like Franco's kind of boring, but when you start – I even I had him on some of my um, fab lists, like if – Everyone gets taken. I've been burnt with that where I just kind of add names at the end. So he's like, oh, he's starting. At least I'll get some at bats. I think that he'll be on some teams for that reason. If third if third base just starts getting decimated during the year, there's always seems to be one of those positions that's just like, you know, four guys go down at second base and everyone's like, you know, who's out there? Um, a name at first base I'm interested in is McBroom. Let's see what he does. Um, he's actually going to – he's outfield eligible. He's going to get first base. I have a query, and it's a simple one. It just looks – it's worked really good over the years to try to find – I found it when I was, like, seeing how Voight and um, Max Muncy broke out. And it's if guys in AAA have above average power, um, fly ball rate, and play discipline, walk and strikeout rate. So if you're in the top 50% of all four of those categories, who are those hitters? And there's just not a lot. And he made the list last year. So he hits the ball hard with good plate discipline. Usually ends up being a good hitter. So – He's someone just to keep an eye on. He was buried in the Yankee system. He wasn't going to be able to make it. So um, just give him a week and kind of see what happens. Yeah, and he'll have an opportunity here because I I, I posed the question where everyone, when Franchi came over, everyone seemed like the, the at-bats were a given. And I, I was just kind of asking, like, are you just replacing Alex Gordon uh, or are you moving Franco uh, and moving Dozier to third? But a lot of people thought that McBroom could be moved off and then they'd be moving just Dozier back to first where he used to play 
for a little bit. So obviously with Dozier out, they have all the, they have some time to kind of figure out what they want to do because when he is back, someone's going to be displaced. Um, Chris, you get to, you get to follow up all that with, uh, with, with your thoughts on the Royals. We're going to make you give an answer. Yeah. They don't have a lot of intriguing options. McBroom is interesting though. Like he's not a name that, I mean, anybody's going to be looking to draft or probably fab, but looking at his stats, he wasn't bad last year with the Yankees. He had 26 homers and 482 plate appearances, 315 average, 402 OBP, 574 slug. Hits a lot of fly balls. Yeah, I mean, the profile is interesting. I'm not saying he's going to be great, but it's worth monitoring because, like Jeff said, he was kind of buried there with the Yankees, hasn't really got a fair chance. So it'll be interesting to see how he plays out. I actually like Salvador Perez a lot um, as a catcher. He's he's dropping a, He dropped a little bit in drafts to where I like to get a catcher because I'm not normally getting the high-end guys. They're going a little high for my liking, but – Perez is a, one of the catchers that I was in on in drafts just because, I mean, he's got some of the most power at the position next to Sanchez probably. The average is not great, but, you know, 250-ish, potential for a little more. But It's funny, when he first started that he was actually more he was actually more of a batting average guy, um, and then it just kind of like he kind of sold out for power and just kind of just went away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is interesting. So if anybody in that lineup that – I like is probably Perez just from the standpoint of catcher being kind of a weaker position and where he goes, I feel like is a decent value there. Yeah. I think he got a discount later in draft season because of the, you know, he, he was out with COVID he actually had symptoms. So he's one of those people that no one knew what they make of. I mean, yeah, <laughs> which will actually bring up someone very, uh, after I talk about Brady singer, since we're on the uh, Royals, um, they, they're going to bring him up. He's going to start the second game of the season. So, I mean, I would assume that just means he's sticking around. I don't know if this, I mean, as someone who I have brought up, I am interested in Danny Duffy. His velocity was uh, back to career high, if not above, kind of above his career peak. Um, you know, during spring training 1.0, he had uh, at, he took on the actual A lineup for the Reds, struck out like six with four swinging. So, I mean, I, I have interest in Duffy only because there'll be a lot of innings and they'll be at a premium. But Singer could come in and kind of be their best pitcher right out of the gate. I, I don't know how interested I am in adding him only because, I mean, he's, he's you know, he was their top pick, the Royals, in, in 2018. In double A, 285 ERA, 119 whip. 22 and a half K percentage, which is okay. It's not actually, you know, not really what you want in fantasy in terms of like a difference maker. He, overall, he's like fastball slider and sinker. He like doesn't want, he doesn't walk people and he kind of relies on weak contact and ground balls. So I don't know. It just seems like someone who's going to come in. And even if he does well, he may not help you too much. And he's already on the Royals. So Jeff, um, I, I think you already talked about this a little bit of launch angle, but um, how interested would you be in adding him if you needed a pitcher? Does he really stand up? Because he'll obviously have like a kind of a, 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 a extra money added onto him just because of his name and pedigree. And I'm not sure he's necessarily going to be any better than the average person you stream. That's where I stand with him. Um, there's some unknown. Um, there's some quotes I follow in the Royals for their um, spring training that he would. they mentioned he was the best pitcher in camp which that's not saying a lot. The bar is not high. I mean, it, the bar is Danny Duffy and that we're, it's, I mean, on some teams, Duffy may be the fourth starter, um, possibly for the, you know, the Orioles. He, he, again, he'd be number one, but yeah, you just take a chance on him. It's not overspend. See what you got. It'd be great if you have a league where you can um, sit him for a week and kind of see where his talent is, watch him and um, go that way. I do think that he might go just crazy, especially if he throws decent this, um, I think he's facing Clevenger, Clevenger and the Indians first thing. I do have to root for him. I'm in a league that um, tout wars that when we bid on players and get them, we just ran that yesterday, we have to start him. And he was further down my list and I won him. So it wasn't like, wasn't my first choice to go, but I've got him and, now I'm a fan for at least one game before I can that, head him to the bench. That's a tough lineup. I think the Indians may have the most underrated lineup in baseball. I mean, there's some oh, people I'm that not. understand, but they're they're dangerous. Oh, I had other players I would have preferred to. I mean, I lost out on Wainwright. He, it was it was kind of a streaming option of someone I needed this week, and um, a couple of closers. And Singer was on the list, and yeah, it fell to that. So, like I said, I'm a fan for one day, definitely. Yeah. But um, we'll see what it, where it goes from there. Well, I guess the good thing with him is like his strength, even if he's not 
striking a lot of people out. He's good at limiting hard contact and getting ground balls. So that's always good as a, as a background. Uh, Chris, going into another pitcher, we were just talking about, um, you know, things that uh, how COVID kind of threw everything off, how Salvador Perez, there's certain people that you didn't know what to make of in certain drafts. One person who fell really hard was Zach Wheeler. Um, Cause there was this talk that he might opt out forever. Um, like once his wife has the kid, he may be out for a couple weeks and then not come back. No one knew. He was dropping for no reason because no one knew a thing. There was just rumors and speculation. All of a sudden, we hear from Joe Girardi, I believe the report was, that his wife already had the baby. And he's fine. He'll be making his first start. And he will never be leaving. He's making an entire full season. So anyone who out there who drafted Zach Wheeler, one, I wasn't on Zach Wheeler to begin with. But two, if you got him late in the season, you probably got him at such a discount that it's a tremendous value. So... Now that uh, he's in for the whole year, what do you think? Of, what do you think of Zach Wheeler? Yeah, I like him. I wasn't particularly in where he was going originally, but in recent drafts, man, he fell hard. And so, if you drafted him, then Bravo, like you're getting the absolute steal. I've talked to people on Twitter that he wasn't even rostered at some points. Like some people picked him up with Fab. I don't know how shallow those leagues were, which is crazy, but. He's a, I mean, a great value if you got him in the last several days. He's, he's arguably, he could be a top 25 pitcher this year. I mean, he's not going to strike out a ton of batters, but a good ERA. Uh, so there's some stuff to like there. So if you did draft him, and honestly, any of these guys like Jordan Alvarez, I mean, who knows? Like we haven't heard anything, but if we get a report and he's back, then you're getting steals. That there could be so many steals. Even a guy like Eduardo Rodriguez who dropped way worse than Wheeler because he wasn't regarded as high. If you picked him up and he's got, and he's back in a week, I mean, I, who knows? I mean, there could be so many ridiculous steals here. I mean, did, how, how did you guys deal with that? I think, I, I think me and Jeff have drafted together. We talked. So, I mean, we kind of thought about it the same way. There's certain, there's a certain point where I guess you can be interested, but I was more or less, I was out on the COVID guys. Cause typically I can coin. I, I'm usually not zeroed in on any one particular person. You coin flip it between people, and I usually wouldn't take them. But yeah, a guy like Wheeler is one of those ones that slipped through the cracks where he just dropped and dropped and dropped. And you probably had several opportunities and drafts to grab him, and I never did. Um, Jeff, do you have any shares of Zach Wheeler, and or, or have you taken advantage of getting a discount on any of the the kind of the COVID question marks that dropped in drafts? Um, no, I. I'm probably the ones that are keeping them dropping. Um, they really have to fall. Um, I think Dahlback of the Red Sox is what scared me off, and I kind of wonder if Chapman's in this, where it took him five weeks to test positive. So anyone with COVID, like Wheeler now has moved up. Like his was a different situation. It wasn't as bad. But any of the ones with COVID, they could be gone for over a month. And it kind of sounds that's where Chapman's right now, where he doesn't feel have the symptoms, but he can't get a positive test. Yeah. So um, – I'm just staying away from them. I think we're going to end up with other players, just like Hunter Dozier, that just you know hit positive again, and you've lost them. So I want to try to have to start the season as stable as possible, and then deal with whatever it gives me. Not already have a bunch of instability and you know increase it. Um, so one person that is out, non non due to COVID, just a typical garden variety injury. Uh, that's uh, Marcus Stroman, which is a shame because. I was kind of high on Marcus Stroman for multiple reasons. Last year, he started off kind of all-star with the with the Blue Jays, to doing his kind of typical ground ball approach, like 50, almost approaching 60% at some times. And he was using his slider like crazy. Second half, he gets traded in New York, where I figured he'd be more, more comfortable as his hometown team. He... Um, he doesn't nowhere near as amount of, of success. He was actually striking out a lot more people, uh, but his ground ball rate was significantly down. It turned out that he had, you know, he had been working on a changeup that he, he was always very fascinated by the best changeups in the game. And he's been looking to add one for a while, but rather than doing it in spring training in the off season, he just decides to drop it into his arsenal in the middle of the season. And he was working on that. And he actually started working in a cutter more. He threw a slider less that he was like really elite the first half, and he started mixing in a cutter along with it, which the cutter was okay, but it wasn't really good until the very end of the season. So I was just interested to see what the heck he looked like coming out because he wasn't going to be the same ground ball pitcher we have known. He looked like he was trying to get more swings and misses, and he kind of was, just wasn't getting the – it wasn't putting it all together at the end of last year. But now he had a uh, torn calf. 
which sounds worse than it is because it really, if you read between the lines of the medical reports, it really is a strain, which that's kind of a strain or sprain is a tear. Uh, he had an update today said that it was a suit. Again, this is from his mouth, super minor setback, not even slightly worried, more time consuming than anything Threw a 55 pitch bullpen on Monday and felt great. Only feel it when jogging and sprinting. Um, there is a medical, uh, there's someone on Twitter. I wish I could plug him right now. I will in the show notes. Uh, if either of you know, he actually has like a kind of a data chart that shows the, uh, the injury history of a player. If either of you know what I'm talking about. Um, and it'll actually show, you can actually type in what the injury is and it'll show you all the players that had a similar injury. And for this exact injury that uh, Marcus Stroman had, there's 13 players that popped up over the last couple of years. And the timeout ranged from anywhere between seven and 23 days. And the average is around like 12.9. So there's some people out there talking about like dropping Stroman, which again, if you're out like three weeks, it ended up being the the end of that. You're out for like, you know, freaking one third of the season. Uh, so or one half of the season. So that's really bad. But overall, this seems to not be that big of a deal. So with all this information and the completely long-witted intro to this, uh, Jeff, if you own Marcus Stroman and you had a shallow bench, is this someone you're holding on to, or is this, do you think you cannot afford to even wait a week or two on a guy? Um, I think you can try to wait. Um, that being said, it's like if someone – I think we're going to have other injuries that are going to pop up. They're going to start knocking him down. I think you need to try to put out your best lineup every week, and if that involves getting rid of Stroman, then you have to get move him off your list. I mean, it's the mess. Do we really expect him to come back healthy? I mean, 100%. Do we trust that – I mean, I trust him more if he would just get away from him. I, I mean, I think like they add two weeks to every DL stint, IO stint. So – I, no, I, I, I feel like that has been moved, shifted. Uh, the karma has been shifted to the Yankees. The one cool spreading, thing is spreading. we Austin will get it next. It's it's <laughs> in the east. It's kind, of, it's kind of like the zombies. It's just heading. <laughs> it's spreading. The one the one encouraging thing is we heard about the strain and they put him on the IL immediately. Usually the Mets will like they'll they'll not put you on the the IL and then they'll bring you in at a bullpen session and then you'll get injured worse. It's usually some more drawn out. This was more of a a normal way of handling things, which is a step up, I suppose. Um, Chris, how do you feel just in general? Maybe not even Stroman, but pl players like this who you kind of were depending on if you drafted Stroman, you know, he was going to probably be your SP3, SP4, um, depending on the, you know, the size of your league. So it's not someone you necessarily want to cut, uh, but he's in that range where, you know, you can't really afford to keep players around this much. So if anyone comes up with these kind of nagging injuries and you're not sure, are you more prone to try to keep them? Or, you know, if a guy like uh, Brady Singer is available, are you are you just going to go ahead and move on, get your innings and go? I think I'd probably want to give it a week or so and just see if we've got any news on how they've progressed, like especially with Stroman. Like it could be a case where he's back in a week. And so if you dropped him, then you're screwed. Somebody else is going to pick him up. But I'd like to hold on and just see. And then if it's if it's lingering too long, I think you've got to cut loose because you just can't afford to go three, four weeks in this season when you're going to lose a third to half of your production just holding on. So, But a guy like that, I just want to give him a chance and just kind of see where it goes. And then if it goes on too long, you might have to cut bait. All right, we're going to end the show real quick with something you guys aren't prepared for because I didn't tell you I was doing it. But you've researched this enough and you've probably been asked the question where you already know the answer. We're going to kind of do, since it's opening day, our final predictions for all of the uh, the awards. Um, starting with the National League MVP, uh, Jeff. Who, uh, if, if you're not, if you want, if you want some time, we can we could start with Chris. Um, who is your pick to win the uh, national MVP, National League MVP? Not necessarily dark horse, but literally, if you put down money, who who are you betting on? Um, can you go to Chris for just a second? Maybe? Yeah, definitely. Hey, Chris, if you're not ready, I can I can start us I'm off. Good. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, good. Uh, national League MVP. I'm going to take Mookie Betts. I just think that it was a contract year, so the expectations were really high. And then now that he signed the contract, he settled in like. LA is going to be his long-term home. Like, I just think that he really shows out. So I'm going to go Mookie Betts. I was, I'm, I'm ready now. Yeah, I yeah like, go ahead. I had to. Um, I've got to keep my guys the same at Fan Fangrass. We're putting them out, so my picks will become known there. But it's. I was just making sure I say the same people because I had actually put some thought into it here. Okay. Um, I got Yelich. 
I think he finally can put it all together and um, stay healthy for two months. It's, I think the team will be great. The numbers will look good. It's that's who I'll go with. Um, Mookie Betts was my pick, always was my pick. Now with this contract, I'm like shying away from it because the reason was a player like him, I don't want to call him Carl Crawford. So I'm not going to, but when you have a player who is kind of that five tool who really relies on speed and he gets a giant contract, you don't know what's going to happen when his speed starts to go away. Um, with his case, the speed is definitely still there. It's not faded or anything, but he maybe had less of a reason to use it as much. And in a, in a walk year, I was thinking that he could have gone full pedal to the metal and really shown off. Um, now, even though he's really good and we have, he obviously, you know, his, his one MVP before he's now sits there on the Dodgers with Cody Bellinger working on his wonky swing, Justin Turner, Corey Seager. It's just, it's a tough thing. So I, I did back off him because of the contract. Um, my pick is actually Bryce Harper, who everyone's under the assumption had this terrible year during his first season of his, you know, $500 billion contract. He hit like 265 ish, but he did have like 35 home runs. I don't know what everyone's totally expecting. He does run hot and cold like MVP seasons and then bad seasons like every other. So I think in a short year, uh, if I was going to take a a flyer on someone to kind of carry their team, you know, I'm a Mets fan, so I don't necessarily want this to happen. But Bryce Harper strikes me as someone that uh, I could definitely see kind of going uh, going all out and uh, and putting something together really special. We've seen how hot he can get in certain stretches. Um, Chris, starting, uh, how about the American League MVP? Uh, I'm going to holding my guns and go Mike Trout. Who knows how much times he, he misses with the birth of his child. But even if he misses a week, like I still think he can produce enough to win that award. I'm just, there's not a, a any other players that I'm like sold on winning. So I'm just going to go with the favorite and go with Mike Trout. I, I don't know. What do you think? Well, Jeff, before you give us your answer, what do you think about, I mean, we don't know. He, he came out yesterday and he said that he was very comfortable with the new, um, environment. So it, it doesn't look like he's going to be staying out any longer than he absolutely has to. But, uh, if someone was going to wait, uh, miss a week, I think that is actually a, is a huge deal. I would think it would actually take you out of the running just in six in 60 games. I think a week, that's just too hard to make up. I mean, in 162, it's nothing, but in, I think in a, a week in the 60 games is a kind of a death sentence to anything like MVP. We'll have to see. I think MVP is going to be like that one guy that can get to 20 home runs. Like it's happened, or someone that's hitting around like 400. Like, um, I, I think actually, I don't want to say what you're doing is futile, but I think it's going to be like some crazy number someone's hit. Like that, that's what it's going to be. Everything we're doing is futile. It's 60 games. Yeah. We don't know what we're doing. Right, right. right. But, but <laughs> just in a few games, if Trout still goes out and hits the 20 home runs, he's going to get. It. Um, right. even with, and it's only three. We'll have to see how many days it is. The paternity leave is three games paid. I mean, the team and Trout can make their own decisions beyond that. But most of the time, it's they work out the three games, and they're usually back. So the week gone, like I said, it's just not a normal unless something you know has gone wrong that they're usually. I, back. I think the quarantine with leaving the team and going to a hospital. I think I think with him, I think they hinted at he might have to be gone for a more than the usual amount of time just because of protocol. Okay, but that's. Um, I still think he could win it. I think everyone else is going to get hurt. There's other guys that have won MVP and missed two or three weeks of the season. I think I just remember back to George Brett missed almost a month with his hemorrhoids when he won his MVP. So I think it can be done. I think people like he's great. He was doing great. He had to go see his kid. They're not going to hold it against him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think they're going to hold it against him. I'll root for him. You cannot root, not root for him. Uh, who would you want? Did you pick Trout as well, or did you, who did you say? Who no, you're I'm going to go off the board. I'm going to go weird season, weird guy, and go with our DH Nelson Cruz. I think he should have been hitting great. I think if he just goes off, I think it's. I have a feeling it's going to be someone in the Twins. Like that lineup's just going to turn over. Maybe Donaldson could be the person, but someone like they're just going to score a ton of runs, and the voters are going to give it to whoever's doing the best out of the group. Uh, I don't know how I arrived at this, but I did a lot of digging around. I, my pick is Jose Ramirez, which you think if you're picking an Indian, you might pick Francisco Lindor, but I really believe in the changes uh, Jose Ramirez made. He had a good beginning to 2018, lousy end, lousy beginning to 2018, great end. It looked like he just found something in his launch angle where he was trying to uppercut the ball. He was hitting a lot of pop-ups and fly balls, which really brought down his batting average in BABIP. And he went back to hitting line drives, which he did in the beginning of 2018, which he, it did at the 2019. He acknowledged it, and I think he sticks with it. So I think over 
you know, if the, the speed is kind of always there and if he puts it together for an entire season um, with that kind of pitching staff that the Indians can mow you down with um, Lindor is great, but he's kind of prone to slumps here and there. Obviously we know Jose Ramirez had, cause I don't know if they're necessarily slumps. I think they were mechanical problems. So I think if he can hold it together for 60 games, there could be some crazy stuff coming from Jose Ramirez. Uh, Chris NL Cy Young. As much as I want to go with a reliever and say Josh Hader, I'm just going to stick to the favor and go Jacob DeGrom. I think that the back issues are probably overblown. He seems completely ready to go. And I guess we'll see that tomorrow when he squares off with the Braves. But, I mean, he's he is the best pitcher in baseball, in my opinion, better than Cole. And so a lot of people probably disagree with me on that. But I just think that he's the best there is, and he's going to throw the innings and he's just going to produce. But dark horse, probably Josh Hader, because this is a year a reliever could win it. But I'm going to stick with, with DeGrom. All right, what do you think, Jeff? Um, I'd just see if he can continue on from last season's second half and go with Darvish. If he throws like he did in the second half last two months, any pitcher that throws like that will win. So, um, like I said, he's shown that he can do it for over a short period, and maybe he can just keep it going. If, if anyone does what he did in the second half, yeah, there's nothing you can do. Freaking 40 K minus walk percentage is around 40, like in uh, September. It was, it was insane. Uh, I will pick Jacob deGrom, not because I'm a homer. I mean, he back-to-back Cy Young winner. I mean, uh, I think that, yeah, I'm not as worried about the back and I'm usually wary of the Mets and how they handle things. I think I agree with you, Chris, um, especially with Stroman being, you know, missing Wheeler, not resigned Thor gone. The Mets, if they have any chance they need he was already leading the league in like innings per start and they're going to need him to do that again and that just gives you a tremendous advantage over a lot of people anyway talk with guys like Bueller maybe maybe being held back i mean he may just have a leg up so i mean it's not a you know bold pick but Jacob DeCrom uh American League Cy Young i guess okay. i'll go i'll take him i'll keep it weird and go with Zach Greinke just i think that take yours mine no Oh uh, no! I heard someone sigh. I it, I just think someone on a good team is going to win a lot of games. There might be someone hit. I don't know if they'll get the ten wins, but I think that could be a possibility. That they've, a lot of people have shown that it's happened in a short season. So I think that that's a possibility, and I think Grinky's just one that could just embrace that this is a weird season and um, just have a good record on a team. I do think there might be some backlash from the Astros. Like he may be the pitcher that deserves it, but there's just going to be some teams that won't vote for Astro or some of the. Um, voters just may hold that against him. What do you think, Chris? I'm going with Mike Clevenger. He's he's just gotten better and better each year. Um, it was uncertain if he'd have a full workload. We know he only pitched 126 innings last year, but now in the short season, dude, he's just a stud and likely to have a, a low ERA, strikes out a ton of guys. Um, I think he still gets a lot of wins. I think the Indians are kind of an underrated team, and so I think that he will get – Plenty of wins and enough to get him that award. That's I love Mike Clevenger. Uh, my my pick is Justin Verlander. Um, I know that uh, you know he's been working on kind of monkeying with his 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 mechanics a little bit and and uh, trying to kind of you know kind of lengthen his career a little more. But we've seen him do this before. There was there was a certain point not too long ago where it looked like his career was over. He was able to rework things and become again the best pitcher, borderline best pitcher in baseball again. Uh, so. I think that, you know, he hit at his age near the, you know, at the end of a contract, he kind of would love to go out there and win another Cy Young literally for like a hall of fame case. He's motivated to specifically win it. So he might be willing to go the extra mile every game with that actually on his mind. I think he has a good chance of leading the American league in innings pitch, therefore giving him a leg up and, and strikeouts. And he would probably love to, stick it to everyone who's who's booing the Astros. I considered what you said, Jeff, about them maybe getting um shafted in the voting. But I would I would think the sports writers would be smart enough to know that you probably shouldn't be throwing that at the pitchers. I mean they could throw it at the Astros in general, but yeah, I think no matter what Bregman or or uh no matter what Bregman Altuve Springer do, they're they're not getting MVP votes this year. Uh but the pitchers I think can escape it. We'll see. I'm sure they, you know, they might get they might get penalized here or there, but I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't hold it against them personally, even though I don't like the Astros. Um, so we won't get too much into it. You don't have to give it too much of an explanation. I don't know if, if you have a strong feeling about uh, uh, rookie of the years, Chris, you can kind of give your picks here, but other than that, we'll end the show right after this. Sure. Uh, NL rookie of the year. I'm actually going to go with a guy we talked about earlier, Carter Kaboom. Lux is the easy pick. He got optioned 
I don't think he'll be down for that long, but I think Kibun will just be consistently good. And so I'm just going to go with him. AL, probably just go with the favorite, Luis Robert. I mean, Lazardo probably would have been the guy. I don't think he's going to pitch enough. Nate Pearson, not sure how much he'll actually pitch. So I'm going to go with Robert there. I'm boring. I, I have the same ones as you, and I won't even add to it. <laughs> Those are my picks as well. Jeff, who do you got? Um, I actually will take Pearson. I, he is starting next week. They've got his spot set. I mean, they're they're not even like – they're totally acknowledging it's like the seven days and then he's starting. So It's bizarre, it's bizarre by the way. It, I always thought that that was like – I don't know gamesmanship to 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 fake your reason, isn't it? Kind of like, aren't you asking for a grievance just coming out and being honest? Which we all want. We want what the Blue Jays are doing, but it seems like something you shouldn't do, right? Well, they're just like, well, we're gonna. I mean, maybe Pearson's just like, hey, we'll let you throw more if you don't file a grievance. You know what I'm saying? It's like we know what the rules are. Let's not dance around it. You yeah. know? No, it's we, good. I love it. I wish more people would do it. Well. It, and all, like all the rookies acknowledge it. Like they even in their interviews are like, this is this way. And it's like, maybe they'll be over it. And that's why I'm also like Dylan Carlson is one I think will, um, who I'm taking in the NL. And um, I kind of think that he's going to be the same way. Like they're just going to get that year and he'll be up. There's so many p- people he could replace in the outfield that he's better than. It's like, it could be done. done. Like, yes, I'm sure one of them will be struggling and he's going to fill in for him. Who was who that? I'm sorry. I missed, I missed who you said? Uh, Dylan Carlson. Oh, Carl Jalen Carlson. Okay. I'm like, listen to the end. I'm like, miss the name of the player. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I, the, um, yeah, Dylan Carlson, they, they, you know, hopefully they'll play him. They don't pull a freaking Rockies like every who the, the thing with Gavin Lux, I never saw coming though. So we'll kind of see, hopefully they'll bring him up sooner than later. I don't know kind of what to make of that entirely only because they weren't even playing him in the lineup towards the end, which I don't know. There was no real report. Like if they thought that he, it's not, they couldn't have possibly thought he wasn't ready. It's just, bizarre that they weren't even playing him and then set him down like rather rather than just send him down earlier but uh opening day any any final thoughts uh chris that uh, you want to leave us with i mean it's basically just pure enthusiasm hopefully the rain doesn't affect tonight's game um are you, are you playing dfs this weekend what's the plan what uh, you have anything uh going on that you want the uh, the the listeners to know about any any current projects or content you're working on uh, not a not a whole lot actually. I'm not. I don't play a ton of DFS. Something I'd like to get in a little more. But man, I'm just excited that it's opening day. We've waited feels like an eternity, and we're gonna pray that the rain does not ruin what's gonna be an awesome pitching matchup tonight with uh, Scherzer and Cole. And so I'm looking forward to watching that. Be a great game. Looking forward to seeing the Dodgers and Giants as well. I'm just excited for baseball, man. So I'm I'm happy that today is the day finally. You're not excited for Johnny Cueto. I'm excited to see what he can do. <laughs> you know, he's he's going to do just enough to go out there and get another contract this year. That's what he, that's yep. what the goal is for Johnny Cueto. Uh, how about you, Jeff? Uh, what are you working on, and uh, what are you excited about this weekend? Yeah, right now I'm just kind of um gr- looking through a lot of the um, box scores. Trying, they've got the velocities at MLB. Trying to see if there's anyone that's lost a little bit of velocity or anything. So I'm kind of grunting through that over at Fangraphs and for at Roto Fanatic will be um I'll be looking at actually not two start pitchers for next week but the week after kind of planning ahead for a week trying to get ahead and get some players cheaper on the fab and um so you don't have to spend a ton um for the upcoming you know week the two start guys so that's what I've got in the future and watching baseball like it's so nice to just be able to finally do that I don't know why like you talked about earlier like why we don't have a game at noon three seven and then the late game like at least four games today it, it should just be constant baseball if someone just wants to watch it it's the stupidest thing i could imagine yeah and, and you, you mentioned that nothing is better than planning ahead for fab i mean we talked on our last show about i don't know if they have inside information but that guy who spent like whatever 400 400 on kim or whatever it was. What? Yeah. I mean, I, I, what do you know, man? We know, you know, something, where do you, who do you know? Who do you work for? Um, so yeah, tell me your information, share your secrets. We uh, had a guy from- that picked up Soto, one Soto, like out of nowhere, right before he came up one time for nothing. And we're like, why did you do it? And then he added, and we're like, what did you know? And it won't ever tell us. Like, I think he that has was- somebody- Oh, he something. had to have known because he went from like a he like started the season in like low a didn't he that year yeah and like there was it was just like we were just like you knew and he's like oh no i just had a feeling we're like yeah, bullshit yeah <laughs> you people with your sources uh it's insider trading you should be banned all right uh 
say if you want to follow me on Twitter, Matt Williams, M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. Make sure to follow the show at Turn 2 Podcast. Uh, Definitely uh, uh, go over and listen to the Launch Angle Podcast, now a part of the Roto Fanatic uh, family. Obviously, Jeff is over there with Rob Silver and Van Lee. Uh, Follow Chris at Roto Clegg, C-L-E-G-G on Twitter, and Jeff at Jeff W. Zimmerman on Twitter. Shout us out. We'll be talking baseball weekend long. Thanks for listening to the Turn 2 Podcast. We'll be back on Monday to let you know how the first weekend went. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of really interesting and crazy stuff. See everybody. My oh my Put me in coach I'm ready to play fantasy I know I turned two in a day but the laces ain't hot in my veins I can turn two in every way so I turn to you two today and smash play. I'm prepared to listen the x fipping whip got me looking way past the pitches. Statistics all that I know and I know that who is on first he can say I'm ready to go I ain't trying to steal second or third cause I wanna win first. How am I to put all of these numbers to words? I know the terms from A to Z. It's like a gift and a curse. I know the difference between a splitter and a curve. But if I can't put it in the points, man, then what's it worth? I need the truth. I need knowledge. Found this podcast with all of it, but what they call it? Turn two. Turn two. What they do? Win leaks. Catch out. Catch out.